Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to House of Random. I'm here with a special guest today to, well, go through our Transformers Tech Talk. This is something that we're going to try and do to be a, well, an ongoing community project. We would like to make this a regular thing because I think the community could benefit from it. And although we are officially unofficial, we do love this game. It's gotten us really excited. And I love talking about it. I want to get as many people as we on, we can on here to talk about the game. And hopefully we can grow all of our respective communities because I don't know about you, Scott, but coming in, I wasn't sure what to expect with this game. I half expected kind of a lame cash-in, but it seems that we're, we have a decent game on our hands. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, when I read the rules at first, and um, I wasn't able to go to Gen Con, but in talking to people that did, I mean, they felt like just playing with the starter bots really wasn't, like, didn't make that much of a game, but as more and more cards became spoiled and it became obvious that the there was deeper strategy the more cards you you had access to. Um, I think the game shaped up to be uh, much better than I assumed in the beginning as well. Absolutely. And it, there are a lot of things that are encouraging to me from having played games for a lot of years, and I know you have as well. We're going to get into that in a second. But seeing the groundwork laid for things down the line where they're quite clearly going to pick up on certain keywords or certain traits or whatever it happens to be, and this hopefully is not just going to be a flash in the pan. Given the names that are behind it, it appears that they really want to put in the effort. They appreciate the IP. They've obviously gone to great lengths to bring in the lore and everything else. I'm pretty impressed overall. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, you and I know each other from a, for a long time uh, through other games. And my biggest complaint of any card game that I played since then was the danger of playing a licensed game. Uh, versus an unlicensed game, but the fact that you have the company that owns both the game and the IP being the exact same company now due to corporate mergers that happened even before any of this was even thought of, um, it, to me, it allays a lot of those fears because they want both sides to succeed so that it's a, you know, everything for Transformers is succeeding at once. Exactly. And they are managing to pull in the different lines. So you have the artwork from the comics, which I really enjoy. and But you have also the artwork from the previous digital card game. And presumably, as we move forward, they're going to introduce other continuities, say whether it's Beast Wars or Prime or the movies or whatever the case may be. They have a lot to draw on. Yeah, definitely. Um, I actually played uh, the mobile game that a lot of the the artwork is refreshed from, which was Transformers Rising, which was, you could only get it in Japan for a while. Okay. I don't think it was ever officially globally launched, but I know a lot of the art comes from that. Um, there, there's some, like, if you just go to Pinterest now, a lot of the art's on there, but like, right, right. some they have some dead Facebook pages, you can still find it, and the art was exactly the same that, you know, I was like, oh, I, I used to use this guy in that game, you know, like, right. so, yeah, yeah it's I pretty cool. I can appreciate it because the art itself is actually really good. It, and that's another thing that they could have easily just, and maybe it, it would have hit that nostalgia factor if they literally just ripped frames from the G1 cartoon. But I don't think it quite would have been the same. I think even people that are nostalgic for it appreciate the updated art that references it, but not exactly, you know, the miscolored <laughs> seekers that turned out to be Sunstorm. Right. No, I love it. I, I think it's, I think they're, they're, they're basically paint, paintings, each one of them. I think they're right. most really beautiful. So, so enough uh, 
just rambling about the game. Let's hear about you a little bit, because as you said, we've known each other for a long time from other games. So where did you get your background? If you can, everybody watching that can see the rotating banner at the top, you can head over to VectorSigma.info and you do have a little blurb there, but tell us about what your gaming background is. Sure. So I've been playing collectible card games now for scarily 25 years. Um, <laughs> I started uh, playing Magic the Gathering during Antiquities, actually. Um, so, sorry about the dogs. Um, so, um, I'd say I've been playing competitively since uh, not, not, not too you know, long after that. Um, so from there, I probably played Magic, including like on the Pro Tour for about 10, 15 years, I want to say. And then the World of Warcraft card game came out. And that's where you and I know each other from mostly. Right. Um, and I eventually became, I guess, the head writer, you, you could say, for their main website. And that's where I started getting into a lot of the uh, strategy writing that I do. Um, from there, when that game lasted, I guess it lasted about 10 years. Um, when that game was taken from us, I guess you could say, um, yeah. I started getting into other games. I, I, I stopped gaming for a while. I, I played things like Star Wars Destiny, um, Game of Thrones, some other fantasy flight games. But really, really my main two were, were, were magic for a big portion of the beginning. And then I transitioned to WoW for its entire, uh, entire run. Makes sense. So you never, after WoW kind of went the way of the Dodo, you didn't really find a new love gaming-wise? I I do a lot of mobile gaming. Okay. So I play a lot of gotcha games. I play a lot of, like, um, I guess that's the biggest category to go with. Like, I don't play, like, any, I don't play the online CCGs that most people play, like, you know, right. Hearthstone or, I've, I've played some of them, but I prefer just, like, the Unfortunately, I prefer just the straight gotcha, uh, you know, pay-as-you-go type games. So. <laughs> hey, it's allowed. Everybody's got their <laughs> Yep. You're allowed to have like fun whatever you want. I like my microtransactions, even though I know uh, they're they're probably insane. But, um, <laughs> well, over the but long no, term, from yeah. a competitive standpoint, nothing's really grabbed me. I mean, I, I played Star Wars Destiny, you know, U.S. Nationals last year. I wasn't able to go this year. I've, I've traveled for events for that, but... I mean, the state of that game right now is not the best, and I'm really not happy with the the company as much. So, I'm just I was just always looking for something else that that had an IP that I liked as well as uh, solid mechanics. So, so I guess that's kind of a good segue into this game, since it sound obviously since you stood up VectorSigma.info and we're, you're on here talking to us that you obviously have a love for the IP, and as we discussed a few minutes ago, that the game itself seems to be well pretty decent so far. So where's your background in Transformers? So um, I was actually telling my wife this the other day. When we got out of the... So I went to the reshowing of the 1986 movie the other night. Okay. Um, and when we got out of the car, because I don't know why, but she agreed to come to the movies with my friends and I. And I said, listen, I said, I know you probably don't know this, but like next to Star Wars, I would put Transformers as like the number two most important like IP of my young life, uh, I guess you would say. So, um, I mean, I've watched it ever since, I think it was more than meets the eye is what the three part series is called. Like, yeah. I just remember like being blown away by that as a kid. Um, I remember collecting them all the way through. Like, I remember saving like all my babysitting and 
refereeing like 10 year old soccer to buy Fortress Maximus. Like, <laughs> nice, a kid. Nice. like, so, and that was like probably a good, like eight years after that. So it was like, I was still going and still like playing with them and, and collecting them up until like, I was probably like 14 or 15 before I started, you know, playing uh, card games, to be honest with you. So um, I've always loved Transformers as an IP. Um, to be honest, I, I haven't, I actually, like, I didn't, I liked the original comics a lot. I actually would go to a local flea market to buy the UK comics because okay. they would come out week, they would come out weekly back right. then. So like, I always thought that was really awesome that they had like, just a completely wealth of information beyond the, the, the American comic at the time. Oh, absolutely. Um, but like, I never got into like beast wars or beast machines or, um, I've actually since then been watching a lot of videos on YouTube. Um, I'd have to find the guy's name, but he does like a basic series. So I've actually learned a lot more about like how the anime was tied in and how like the Unicron saga and all this other stuff that I never even knew existed. And then I started watching the um, the Machinima a couple years ago, right. so like the the Power of the Prime trilogy, and I think that's like amazing. Oh, then you so have uh, said, you have a lot yeah. to catch up on because I don't want to yeah. knock that one, but there there are a lot of other things that you could both watch and read that are incredible. That even they, I don't want to say put that to shame because that hmm. makes it sound like it's horrible or something, but they are really strong stories. Oh, good. Yeah, if you uh, the recent comic. Uh, since we were on the subject of the artwork, the recent comics have done an incredible job of bringing characters that I honestly, I was aware of them. They existed. I knew their names. I knew what they looked like, but I didn't care about them. Not in the slightest. And now I actually care whether they live or die in the stories. Uh, it, hmm. It's done a good job about bringing them forward. And they've also, and that's the IDW stuff. Exactly. Now it's actually coming to a close. Funny, you, you mentioned Unicron trilogy before. Unicron is their closing event to literally end this phase, and then they're going to do a reboot as a new jumping-on point, as comics do. Uh, hmm. But they, their phase one was, and it ended several years ago, was during the war stories, and then phase two started. There was actually an end to the war. There was a clear winner, and now it's them dealing with the aftermath. Hmm. So it's a lot of interesting stuff about how they live. What do they do when they're not, you know, brutally trying to kill each other right. and those sort of right. things. Uh, so it, it added a lot of context and world building to it, which I appreciated personally. No, that's cool. I could, I'm sure there's a, um, what's it called? I'm sure there's like graphic novels and stuff like that I can check out. Oh, yeah. You could check it out on Comixology if you don't want to, you know. Fill your house up with lots of uh, single issues or the, or the hard copies or whatever. But uh, yeah, so is that Fortress Maximus that you had still adorning your living room today? Unfortunately, not. Um, <laughs> when I, when I was forced to move out of my childhood home, all my all my still intact, not in the box Transformers uh, stayed with it. So uh, um, yeah, unfortunately, I know he was like really hard to get. I know he's like probably really hard to get now or whatever, but... Um, well, they did actually just do a reissue relatively recently, so you could have your chance to relive your childhood. I could. Yeah. My, my wife would. My wife is already not happy with the amount of WoW cards I still have in the basement, so... <laughs> Trust me, my wife is okay with the WoW cards, but the other cards and the amount of plastic at this point. I mean, I'm looking at my desk, and it's covered in Transformers. Because yeah. that's, that's my vice, is, you know, I have a tough day. I used to drive by Toys R Us, rest in peace, not so much anymore. <laughs> 
Understandable. Yeah. So, uh, well, that, I guess, kind of covers your background, both gaming-wise and Transformers-wise. So, from there, I, in general, for this show, I kind of want to do an, a, a new segment, whatever we happen to learn. Now, we were discussing before the show that as far as anyone knows, there wasn't really a planned, organized play for this game. And the fact that, and this is part of the news, it is sold out virtually everywhere. You know, you can't find it at Targets, Walmarts, you possibly could find it online. I know local gaming stores are having trouble keeping it on the shelves because everybody was so excited. So I'm hoping that that means that we're going to see some organized play soon. Yeah, I would imagine so. I think I think the other thing to understand, and this will show my age quite a bit, but I've already said it. So um, it's not like Magic had organized play when it first launched either. Exactly. Uh, it's not like... It's not like most games did. Um, I think I, I understand now the world is different, and especially the world of gaming is different. And I understand that there's some games that actually are driven solely by organized play and vice versa. Um, but we do have a strong company behind it. We do have a str- and that understands the linkage between organized play and sales, um, unlike some other uh, cardboard com- cardboard gaming companies that are out there. So. I think once they see the reaction, uh, I think it'll improve. But to be honest with you, you know, the Pro Tour for Magic came out of the strong, like, gray matter. That's how old I am. Neutral ground type, you know, thousand dollar tournaments. I showed up at <laughs> some of those places. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, were, that existed, that were getting, like, hundreds of people to show up for them. Right. Before, like, Pro Tour qualifiers even existed. So it's not always the quote unquote the job of the company to always provide the organized play. I mean I think there's I think there's always gonna be an opportunity for some of these um I guess there's there are these larger conglomerates now that do like the organized play for certain companies to to take advantage of this. I mean I know for some other card games uh, a lot of the organized play is run by these I guess you would call them third party type things. And I don't see any reason why one of them or or some of the people in the community that are already influ- influential could do that uh, for this game if they really put in the time and effort. And I really don't think it would even be that hard. So I do have faith that um, Wizards will do something themselves uh, coming up. Right. But at the same time, I really believe that the community can do it for themselves as well. Absolutely. And we're already seeing that with a lot of local groups that, for example, a the release event that I went to, they had just recently announced couple days ago, I think, that they're going to be running a case tournament towards the end of November, which is really exciting, especially given that we were saying all the product is sold out, so it's a chance to win more. But the fact that there's a a local gaming store willing to put that on the line to try and get people in is pretty exciting. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think it's, I think, I don't, I don't know what kind of saturation point we've reached in terms of the card gaming market, and I hope there's still room for new games to come out. Um, I, I just, I hope players understand that, um, it's, it's, it's both about the product and about how strong the game is and as strong about how strong the community is because a lot of card game card stores, you know, sometimes look for the hottest new thing just to be able to, to have it. But I really think that, um, you need to build a community and you need to have your local, you know, local events and, and hopefully, you know, it's at times when people can come. I mean, I think this game is slanting a little older in terms of its audience because of right. the nostalgia that we have. So, you know, people just need to keep that in mind and things like that. I think we'll be okay. 
Exactly. So people out there listening, whether you're watching this on YouTube, Twitch, or you hit it up with the audio later, or you check it out on one of the websites that you're seeing on the overlay, definitely make sure you talk to your local game stores. Let them know that you're interested. Yes, they may, maybe they have a stock shortage at the moment, but that's not going to be the case forever. And if you let them know, they're going to know people are out there and are going to be willing to host those events, have people in the store and do various things that'll help grow the community. Because we all want to be able to play the game and it doesn't do anybody a whole lot of good if there's no one playing. Yeah, agreed. So moving on from there, like I said, the news-wise, we have a couple things that are on here. So one thing that we were discussing also before the show is that apparently the, I don't want to say it's the official hub, but for those of you that are unaware, there is a Discord channel. There's obviously a subreddit. Uh, you, as I said, to repeat it again, you can see the websites on the overlay here. But also the official Facebook group seems to be where the most information is coming out, official information. So they recently had announced what their sealed deck format was going to look like. They recently have put up a gigantic FAQ with a lot of rulings, including one that was kind of interesting regarding moving upgrades. So we're learning more about the rules of the game and the ins and outs and the phases of the turn and things through these FAQs. Hopefully we'll just get a straight up comprehensive rule book. But for now, if you need information, hit up one of those social media areas and you can check it out there. Uh, the other piece that I wanted to bring up that's coming up also in November is PAX Unplugged. So I had tweeted at the official Transformers TCG account not too long ago and said, hey, are you guys doing anything PAX Unplugged? And they responded with a Yoda gif basically saying, you will see. So the event list is officially up, but from experience from last year, PAX Unplugged kind of is a little lethargic in getting the list complete. So definitely keep checking back. I at the time of this recording, I didn't see anything. So maybe by the end of the recording, I'll have another surprise <laughs> for everybody. We'll get lucky. But I did see other new events go up throughout the day. So like I said, maybe we'll we'll get something lucky and we'll have something exciting. But uh, Yeah, a couple, a couple of things I'll say about that, because last year was the first year for PAX Unplugged, and right. you and I are both from the Philadelphia area, so it happens to be local for us. Um, there are some local players that have said, um, you know, they'll, they were willing to help out if possible. But I do know that a lot of the card gaming that goes on there is run by third parties as well. So they're probably just in the midst of contacting some of them and getting help exactly. from that perspective. <laughs> there are, already... but as someone that, oh, God. no, sorry. No, good. As someone that's gone to Gen Con for like, except for last year for the, for the probably the last like 10 years in a row, I can say PAX Unplug was really impressive from a, from a, gaming uh standpoint it's it's the one they have that doesn't have any video gaming right so it's all just tabletop gaming and i you know i even went with some of my neighbors that like you know play D D and things like that and i just thought it was just to me it was it was like it wasn't even gen con light like to me it was just it was the equivalent of that for what i do at gen con right just playing events and get to test new games so i thought it was a great great time yeah it really it surprised me given that it was i had never been to a pax event before uh, it ended up being very successful for my wife and I competitively in a different game. So that qualified us there for the Lightseekers Nationals when we top eighted in that. Uh, I'm looking forward to getting back to it because there's a lot of things that I didn't even get to try out. So if you're thinking about making the trip, it's definitely worth it. I'll probably be bringing Transformers cards no matter what, whether they're official events or not. Uh, oh, same. Yeah. The, 
officially there are a whole bunch like a lot of D&D events which you'd expect at a tabletop convention but I would be very surprised if Wizards wasn't doing something so hopefully like I said we'll we'll get something official and there'll be either learn to play events at the very least and then maybe some competitive events as well yeah and, and as of right now like I know for me personally like I'm I already have my 3-day pass I have friends games from out of town that I used to play well competitively um I'm gonna be there. I'm not I'm not doing any actually just don't really play any many other games mm-hmm. competitively now so I plan to bring all my stuff and just could play games all day so exactly. it's fine with me either way yeah there's definitely plenty of room for free play so if anybody's interested you're in you want to learn just look for the guys probably wearing all transformer gear and slinging cards and screaming things from the 80s You'll, yes. you'll be able to find us pretty easily. <laughs> so uh, moving from there, let's move into a couple other details. So one thing for Random Thoughts was that we did upload the YouTube videos for our, our last show with TCG Rollout, and we're going to be getting these up on our YouTube channel as well. And we also are going to have a Transformers-centric episode because, surprisingly, Wife loves the Insecticons, spoiler alert, uh, and we'll probably get into that as well but we did an episode last night that'll be going up tomorrow hopefully uh if we can get everything edited in time and uh definitely want to go check that out but the last news item that i wanted to bring up was vector sigma which is your site scott so tell us a little bit about what made you want to dive in that far sure so um it's it's actually a a meeting of two worlds in data, data analytics. And one of our projects was to create a website and then do Google analytics on it. So, um, at the same time that that project was announced, this game was coming out. I mean, I knew this game was coming out. I'm like, well, I can just kill two birds with one stone and two passions, which is writing for gaming as well as like do this class project. So I'll just do both and, and see how it goes. So, um, that's where, that's where it kind of came from, uh, originally. Because my other choice was like put up a website with a bunch of pictures of my dogs and just have my friends and family check it out. So I figured why not make like a try to try my hand at making a fully functioning gaming website. Right. Um, I had some friends that did it successfully for other games that I had gotten into over the past few years and like saw how they were able to grow communities and grow a competitive environment because of the work and effort they put into what I would consider like the old school way of, of getting information out there. I'm not, I'm probably older than most, you know, or the same age as some people listening to this. Um, so like the YouTube generation and all that is a little beyond me. So I'm not, I'm not huge on like, you know, putting my face up and making a bunch of videos and things like that. Um, so yeah, for me, I got writing, this. Yeah, yeah. So writing <laughs> for me is still like my main way source of, of information. Um, that's my background in gaming. So I thought if, you know, if I could create um, and put my thoughts out there uh, on the game on a, on a semi-regular basis as, as best as often as I can uh, to start, uh, hopefully people would see the more competitive aspect. And the fact of the game itself, it's funny. Not only does not only does the the creating of the website help my my studies, but I mean, as it and I I am a data analyst by by trade. I mean, the game has such mathematics to it that I get to actually you know, create a bunch of macros and, and do a bunch of mathematics on different ways of building decks competitively. And like, so it, it's really fueling all my, 
passions at once for gaming, for transformers, for, for statistics, for, for website design and all this all at once. So it, it's, it was able, I was able to like marry a bunch of concepts together and that's, that's what makes it fun. Well, that's pretty cool. Although I, I don't do data analytics. I don't know how much fun it would be to do both professionally <laughs> and in your spare time, but it sounds yeah. like it, it's okay for you. Yeah. I, yeah. My passion for it came from my spare time. That's how I got into it, like from playing fantasy football and things like that. So that's okay. actually how I started my career with it. So that's fair. Yeah. yeah I, I do IT work and believe me, I don't even want to plug my own computer in at home. I, I leave that at the office. I don't, I don't want to do it at home. So I can definitely kudos to you for being willing to do it double time. But uh, we did talk about that in Discord, actually, the, the mathematics behind this game. So we're going to do some card reviews. But since we had already done that with TCG Rollout, I don't really have a defined way to go through this. And I think it's important to... One thing we didn't do with TCG Rollout, and that's kind of on me, is we didn't really define how we're going to judge these cards. We kind of just did a look and feel sort of thing where okay, this seems like it'll be okay. This will probably spawn a deck or, you know, this card's obviously good or Cybertronium Bow is obviously bad or, you know, things along <laughs> those lines. Um, you're not going to shock me and say Shock Absorbers is going to break the format or something, right? No, I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> um, so I threw RC up here, although we could obviously cycle through. We were going to focus on the Autobots this time around. But sure. how are you evaluating cards? Because I initially tried to run some basic statistics. And it's been a long time since any stats class, like 10 plus years for me. So all I did was, you know, average stats per star and then average attack per star, average defense, etc. Uh, and then tried to see if I could come up with some sort of rubric to say X attack is worthwhile at this threshold. Are you taking the same route or how are you looking at it? So I do take that route, but what I add into it is the one thing to understand about this game is because of the way combat works, those statistics are not static. They're determined by the the combat icons or pips, whatever we want to whatever vernacular we want to use right. during combat. So you also have to look at the abilities on a card and how often like a transform effect into one mode or the other should quote unquote always be the type, the, 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 the stats that you're attacking with. So it, it's one thing to say, like, I don't know, a, you know, uh, that, that six star character has an average of three attack, let's just say. Right. But that three attack gets modified by what you're drawing from the deck, how many orange pips you're drawing, how many whites are affecting that, like, and all that. So you have to, it's never a static number because your deck will always affect that. And there's obviously certain equipment that you can use on guys that you can't use on others. And it's the same thing, like, the other the other thing that I've had to dive into as well is it's very hard in this game to define defense and hit points because it seems like the attacker has Absolutely. such the advantage. Right. But what you have to understand is you're defending multiple times for every time that you're actually attacking. So that's why defense is so much less is because you should be, unless you're getting, like, one shot somehow, um, you should be defending against multiple attacks. So that defense will actually come into play multiple times. But there's probably, and I haven't figured it out yet, um, 100% is there's a break point between, you know, how many hit points equal a defense point and how many attack points equal a hit point, et cetera. Right. So what I tend to look at is I haven't built it. I built it with the starter cards, but I have to update it for some other ones is 
you have to know how many average attacks it's going to take your deck to attack your opponent's deck. And I really think that's where um, players are going to separate themselves in this game. And that's what I like about this game is a lot is it's not just in the deck building as it is in some games. It's a lot about the play. Yes. It's a lot about... I've watched a lot of videos and um, props to those that are that are putting out gameplay videos. It really helps. Um, and I, it's not just being critical. It's You notice mistakes that cascade themselves throughout the game. Simple right. things like you transform the wrong guy on turn one. Yeah. Will cascade it throughout the rest of the game. So, you know, there's... This game to me is probably... 60 40 on the gameplay side as it is on the deck building side interesting so that that isn't a discussion that i really had in depth with a lot of people but it is a good point to bring up or to highlight the way you feel the breakdown is and i i don't think as i think back on the games that i played both at my release event at the kitchen table with my wife and that kind of lines up i mean i definitely have had points and we mentioned this in our show when we had recorded it, that there were definitely times where I could look back and identify exactly when I attacked with the wrong guy or when Mm -hmm. I transformed the wrong guy or happened to do something out of sequence. And then that snowballed over the course of the game. And it finally hit a point where I couldn't stop it or she took control completely, that sort of thing. So I made the mistake early on when the game was first coming out that I thought that the I've never played game, and I, I think you have, mm. where there was like a limit to the number of actions you could actually do in a turn as opposed to like a mana cost or like a resource yes. cost or something like that. Right. So to me, it was like, well, obviously, uh, you know, uh, Power Sword must be better than Flamethrower. Like, you know, like it doesn't, why wouldn't it be? Like it's, it's bigger numbers and there's no, there's no cost on these cards. But then you realize that there's way more to it than that. It's the combat icon that's on the card. It's mm. the, who can play it? It's the different modes that you can play. It. It's, there's this game has a lot of opportunity cost to it and yes. because you can only play a certain number of things a turn, and you know, transform effects are very powerful and things like that. You know, like there's a lot of subtlety to it. Like I hate to like use like the '80s like what was it Mastermind or something like that. Like it's like a minute to learn and a lifetime to master or whatever. Right, like, right. but you it, see it. Over, like, you see it. Yeah. Yeah. It's something that I think escaped a lot of people. So again, a lot of people initially, and I fell prey to it, as we said before, that when the game was first revealed, it's, wow, really? The the entire rulebook is a single page, effectively? (laughs) Right. You're you're kidding, right? But then as we see, I mean, we mentioned it before, Wizards is running this. There are a bunch of minds behind it that have been doing this for a very long time. They know what they're doing. And as we're unraveling it, as we learn things, I've definitely had that epiphany moment of, oh, now I get it. Okay, now I plateaued at this point, and eventually we'll get over the next hurdle and move to the next step. Uh, it it's definitely an exciting time right now. Yeah, because I think I think it seems simple, and I've seen there haven't been that many people that have shown them like deck lists they've built and things like that. And I'm always like, wow, I'd build that a lot differently. And I'm not saying right. I'm right and they're wrong or anything like that, but you can already see that there's there's different schools of thought on how to, on, you know, is a card more powerful because of the combat icons it has, or is a card more powerful because of its effect? I can tell you there's no right answer to it one way or the other. It's a balance between the two. Right. And, and I don't know how many people are thinking that way. I'm not sure how many people take, you know, how important the transform effects are and and things like that. Like it's obvious that like you have 25 stars to build a team. So I have, I'm going to build 
you know, the best team I can, quote unquote. But like, why are you putting those bots together? Because it's simple to put three Dinobots together or three planes together or three tanks together. Right. But I really think there's a lot of room for decks that don't necessarily use that theme. Exactly. Um, and, I, and that's not being like explored at all. And it's not just like the big giant guys that don't really have a theme to them per se. I just think that there's, there's abilities on certain cards that, that, oh, well, you know, this character would be really good with this character. And like, One's an Insecticon and one's like a Dinobot or something like that. I'm just making stuff up. I don't know. Right. One yeah. It would be, you know, so. I mean, the tribal themes are obvious, and everybody, right. of course, is diving into, as you said, Dinobots or the Insecticons or the Plane or whatever it happens to be. But I am interested to see is there enough support for a deck or a comp or a team or whatever you want to call it that is just generic G1 guys? So it happens to be effectively the first few episodes. And I'm curious to see, okay, well, is the, because there's so many support cards along the lines of Bombing Run and Swarm and Dino Chop that naturally push you towards that, as you said, it definitely feels unexplored. Now, when I spoke with TCG Rollout, Landon, he had mentioned that he recently put up a video for a Shockwave Inferno deck, which kind of falls into this sort of category, I think, that, okay, why would you put those two characters together? They... They don't have obvious synergy in the way that, you know, putting Swarm into Insecticons is. But it does right. have synergy in that you bounce all their stuff, shred their hand, and Shockwave goes to town. Yeah, that's smart. Yeah, and there are a number of builds, I think, that are lurking out there that people are going to discover as I'm flipping through some of these cards. To I was highlighting for a while as you were talking the uh, rare Optimus that lets you play another card because you were mentioning a action-based economy as opposed to a mana-based economy for this game. And I really think that he's going to end up leading the charge. It's just going to take time for people to figure out exactly how to play it out. Right now, cars and Insecticons, etc., all seem a little more exciting because they're more obvious. Yeah, he's actually a deck I have is like slated to write an article on. Like, not I have to finish my bold series on the website, and then he's one of the ones like on my list of other things to cover mm. simply because like you said of that, that extra action you're essentially, I, I know literally it's an action card. I don't, I don't know another, I don't know another term to use other than action. Like I, I don't really know what else to, I call everything an action, even though I know there's action cards. Right. Right. Yeah. But he uh, gained, the terminology is a little confusing. <laughs> yeah. So I use the term, like he gains you an extra action essentially per turn is the way I look at it. Exactly. Um, and there's a lot of really interesting things you can do with him. Um, like, and I'm sure uh, we could talk about it more when we when we talk about him specifically. But there, he's like one of the he's the only transformer in the game that can do certain things that that uh, that right now others can't. Where there's obviously design space yeah. uh, in the future to go that route. Of course. So if we were to dive into, we'll just go in alphabetical order for now. Sure. Or we could skip around. So I'm looking at RC yeah. right now. Speaking of cards that can only do certain things, I've been seeing RC become and. Of the people, few people that are selling singles, Grimlock, he's kind of obvious. Even if he was terrible, he'd probably be sold out everywhere because everybody yeah. loves Dinobots. But RC actually has been one that's been disappearing off shelves or virtual binders or whatever you want to call it a lot. And I really like her both because she can fit into a lot of teams, but she also seems like she is your closer in a lot of builds. And people may be underestimating her. So for me, what I like about her is that she has the specialist tag in both modes. Right. 
Um, and she has an active transform ability, which is what I'm always looking for in all my cards. So when she transforms into alt mode, she can actually do something because like rollout, I feel is like almost an every deck card. Absolutely. So, so like she has an active ability there. Um, her stats are obviously terrible in, in alt mode, but her robot mode is unique. So, um, and I'm sure we'll get into this over time, but like, I'm not a big fan of the pierce ability. Um, but in her now, yeah, just in general, I just think it's just better to buff attack than it is to go with the pierce route, but we can get into that way later. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, But, um, with her, with it being pierce equal to the amount of of her attack, um, it leaves her a lot of room as a five point character to be played in an aggro deck where you flip a bunch of oranges and equip a bunch of equipment onto her because she'll automatically pierce through anything. Um, so she can be like a finisher, for example, uh, right. in a lot of ways where it doesn't cost you that much. Obviously, uh, it only costs you five stars. Um, she has nine hit points for that five stars, which is one of the better ratios in the game, but that's obviously going to happen whenever you're the lowest cost character in the game. Of course. So, you know... I think a lot of decks in the beginning um, should be three characters or four characters, so she allows that real easily, no matter who you're using her with. So, I mean, I think she's a good finisher. Uh, I mean, if you can if you can stick a a permanent weapon on her, not I, I'm not like obviously you can use a grenade launcher type thing on her and get one big attack. Right, it's going to be automatically pierced. But if you have some sustain with her, like a primary laser or something, it, she just gets exponentially better as the you know as the game goes on absolutely and one thing that you had mentioned there because you had brought up rollout which i agree with you both based on the pips and the effect i mean the the card feels as though it's mandatory in virtually everything because most bots or most teams are going to have at least one bot that has a flip ability and even if they don't the pips are worthwhile in general Mm -hmm. so Have you found so far, that, not specifically for RC, but have you been making a lot of use of flips in general? Oh, certainly. Like I, I consider a, I consider the flip very equal to the playing of a card. Okay. And good. Yeah. I mean, there's no team I haven't built yet. Well, there's one in my next article that doesn't actually need rollout because it doesn't have that many powerful flip abilities because of the way it was built. Okay. But if you look at things like the Decepticon Seeker deck or um, or the Dinobot deck, or the um, the other Decepticon plane deck that I posted the other day mm-hmm. um, around Slipstream, because the, the because not only are the are the transform flip abilities really powerful, a lot of cards do not ideally attack in in the same mode that they're currently in. So, right. you know, if you look at someone like Thundercracker, his flip ability is insane, but he wants to attack in bot mode. So you can't use two turns worth of transforms in order to just do two damage. Like it doesn't become worth it. But if you're rolling out, and even if even if he was your only guy, let's say, and you didn't have Star Scream, mm. at, so you weren't doing like four damage to a melee guy, for example, you're only doing two with Thundercracker as your only guy. Playing rollout to do two damage to a guy is basically like plasma bursting and getting two pips out of it. Exactly. And then he gets to flip right back and do his ability again, and he gets plus one attack from. Uh, already right so like a card like that is getting a huge advantage but if you transform more than one guy from one card i mean that's clearly breaking the the economy of the game this action economy of the game that's going on right yeah you took the words out of my mouth that was where i was going to go with it that similar to optimus prime that you were describing earlier where you're getting free actions sort of in this particular case you 
I mean, normally you only get one transform a turn. Well, now you get three, four, however many you mm -hmm. happen to need, or how many, however many you set up. It lets you jump ahead the curve to some extent. And I know you'd mentioned before that you didn't play a whole lot of, or haven't played a whole lot of games with action economies. But in my experience, and I haven't played a lot, but in the ones that I have, it's the same thing as if you were playing Magic, you look at effects like Lotus, Dark Ritual, Seeding Song. There's a reason that those things continually show up in one way, shape, or form because it's such a strong effect to be able to jump the curve. Yeah. And I think people I think people don't understand that yet because they're used to traditional card games where it's all about card advantage. It's all about tempo. Mm -hmm. I think this game, and that's what I like about this game, is I think it's different because you're limited in what you can actually do in a turn. So what what are seemingly not powerful effects actually can be game-changing, both from the pip perspective and from the ability on the card perspective. Absolutely, and I agree with you that it's going to creep up on people, or it may be that people realize it but don't fully appreciate it yet. Because I, yep. I don't think there's anybody who looked at Rollout and said, well, this card's okay. I think everybody <laughs> says it's powerful, but it may be even more powerful than, including myself, are recognizing as you play games. Yeah. So if we move on from RC, this one's a little bit of an oddball, and that's why I wanted to make sure we talked about him, and that's Cosmos. So he's been showing up here and there. I personally like him because the if, if the bot mode power is so crazy. I really want to build something to see if it is viable. I just have no idea how it's going to work out, to be perfectly honest. So the only thing is I, I'm not a big fan of him for a couple reasons. Okay. Uh, um. So in order, to, you obviously want to get this ability online as soon as possible, which means you're going to have to use either tough or bold. Right. And as much as you can, as much as you can mathematically manipulate them, I mean, I, I run, I run like 250 to 500 uh, simulations on, on draws uh, through my simulators whenever I'm making decks. Okay. It's still not always like a lot of times, no matter how you build your deck, it, like I'm, I'm still not seeing over. <sighs> Like, for example, I, I made a deck today that had, I think it was eight whites in it, and I was still only hitting a white without bold or tough 40% of the time in my first two draws. Wow. So I think it's really difficult to, to build a deck with Cosmos because of the math involved in that you don't want to, you don't want to have flipping too early and you don't, like, you don't want to miss his turn, his window when he needs to be able to, That's to use the ability. The few people I've seen use it is they said that's exactly what happened. By the time Cosmos could attack, the deck had just rotated, or yeah. they were is something along those lines where it just didn't quite work out. I'm hoping, and that's where I need somebody like you who's much better with numbers <laughs> than I am. Uh, I was hoping that something pairing him with, say, I think he's the next card, yeah, say Hound, or any of the cards that care about white pips to give you even more cycling and potentially control over it would make it happen. But maybe Nemesis is the more stable option. Yeah, that's route. yeah, that's what I've that's the route I've been going just because you get the card regardless of when it happens. Right. Um but I mean we could I mean what I the the other thing I do like about Cosmos is that obviously his health is ridiculous. So cards like oh, yeah. um one shall stand, one shall fall and um the the two damage to everybody card, Photon Bomb. Yeah. Like those are auto includes in that deck because his stats seem weak, but it's because you have a one sitting next to a 21. Like a one is not good, obviously, as a defense, but like 
it's it looks worse because it's sitting next to a giant number. Yeah. But like all the jets have a one defense, so who exactly. cares? You know, so you can always just armor them up to get them to a three relatively easily. I'm sure with mm-hmm. um, utility and and, and armors. I'm sort of, I have to think of. I guess he can. I have to look at like what his actual. Yeah, he's a specialist, so he can right. he can use yeah. different things. Um, but it, his 21 health, I think, allows you to play some of these cards that. I think are being overlooked, especially right. like one shall stand, one shall fall. For I'm example. very curious because this came up in my discussion with Landon. I wasn't going in, and this is really just previous experience from other games influencing my thoughts here, when it really shouldn't because of how different we've discussed the game is, that healing may be something worthwhile for this build. You were talking about one shall stand, one shall fall. He can soak the damage, but because of how much health he has, you're pretty much always going to get that full value out of the heal i think i'm not sure if over the course of a game it's worth it but it's a thought to consider for some of these yeah i mean it's that's just a huge life total to work with yeah and and you're probably i mean ideally if somehow you can go through your deck so like i would imagine that um you know he probably isn't going to be attacked all that often even though he is probably the most valuable target in that deck Right. Um, so that's just a lot for them to chew through, no matter what, like no matter what they're using. To be honest with you. Yeah. Do you see any value that he has the uh, pseudo wheel of fortune effect on his flip? I mean, obviously it helps his bot mode trying to get there faster. But is there a chance that we'll see Cosmos for that effect rather than his bot mode? Uh, if you use him with cards like, um, I wouldn't do this, but you could use it with cards that have similar abilities to like. A rare prime so you have like chromia um and i had to think of other cards off the top of my head that would have like get Little things back in the scrap pile type thing that's for so like if you did that then there's it, it only helps those other characters so i can see something like that working out where it's it's you're not losing anything by losing those cards in your hand it's actually increasing your pseudo hand size by having them in your scrap pile so i can see him working with certain other characters it'll be interesting to see i feel as though cosmos is something that as we get more sets he'll fill out right now it it feels as though you have to work a little bit too hard even with our next card hound potentially feeding him um hound kind of goes along with or well let me ask you first were there any other thoughts you want to throw out there for cosmos no, we're good. Okay. So our next three, Hound, Jazz, and Mirage, all have a very similar theme in that they specifically care about how many white pips you're running because they yep. all either have triggers or they have activated abilities, kind of, sort of. It's really a trigger into an act, you know. Uh, do you see white pips.deck being a thing since you've run all the math? All of the math? <laughs> <laughs> um, so in the case of... In the case of Hound, certainly I see no problem running him. Like, um, as a truck and as having, um, really good stats by hitting a different color, which is what I like. Um, he can take advantage of, of multiple, uh, battle icons being flipped at once. His, the only thing I don't like about him is that he's eight, which is a really awkward number. Yes. Um, like, I'd really like to run him with certain other characters, like, um, like wheeljack and things like that, but it, but like that's like seventeen right there, and then another eight is just awkward at times. Absolutely. But I think he's he's one of the better like oh I just need a guy to cost this like I'm just going to use him like he, generic like as we talked about earlier like 
I don't think there's a quote truck deck out there because I think there's only two cards that even care about it. Yeah, as much as I want it yeah. to be. <laughs> so, but I think he's just a good regular old guy. Like if you have a deck that has a decent white and then is the rest orange, like most normal aggro, you know, aggro decks would be, um, I think he's a fine addition because I think his stats are really good. And I think, um, he's definitely someone like you'll see in limited because he's a common. So yes. I think he's, he's, he's good, um, from that perspective. His stats are fine, especially when you consider, um, the good thing is his, his abilities both affects both attack and defense. And that's rare to see. Yes. Mm-hmm. There's only a handful of effects that do that. I'm very curious since you brought up aggro decks that if we assume, say, Dinobots or Insecticons are a more aggressive strategy, although I, you could theoretically, I guess, make a healing based Insecticon build. I'm not sure. Sure. Uh, they're more, yeah, like aggro control or something. Yeah, if this is going to be a more mid range, because he's a little bit beefier being a truck, he gives you a little bit, uh, well, some card filtering because you can draw cards when he hits the white pips in yep. alt mode. So maybe this is. Everybody's playing aggro. Okay, I'm going to, as somebody put it at my release event, bugs on a windshield, and you're going to go <laughs> over the top a little bit, squish the Insecticons, and then eventually something else comes in, and okay, this is a true control deck, can go later than that, and you get your meta evolution that way. Yeah, again, if you're assuming that you can get to, like, plus one or two defenses relatively easily, then uh, his ability is going to give you almost a static plus one most of the time if you build your deck right. So exactly. if you're talking about having, like, a... Like a, a pretty normal every single combat like for defense that's pretty high for an eight star character exactly so moving from him we do have the other two white pip cards uh yep i'm not a huge fan of jazz do you have you taken a liking to him or are you kind of glossing over him i would be a much bigger fan of him if prowl costs more than six um yeah but the fact that um i like him in one build like so i have a deck that has it's jazz chromia and sunstorm okay because then you have two cards two the two autobots both based off white cards and uh sunstorm just gets bigger as she draws cards so you have a, a plethora of white in the deck the the issue i guess it's not really an issue i mean his stats are the same so like it doesn't really matter i mean i guess he goes he's melee in both he's a leader only in all mode you'll just never want to transform no, he's actually so a leader guess... in uh, bot mode as well. He only oh, okay. he uses, obviously, car. Car, that, okay. I think that's the only reason. So I was looking at car builds, and I don't know off the top of my head if he's required for a four-wide car build, um, if you really wanted to do that, and then maybe you could go all in on Matrix. You know, yeah, that's a good some point. Bumblebees yeah. and Jazz, then you can throw Matrixes yeah. left and right. But I don't know if it's there. His abilities are so conditional that... You, I don't know if I'd ever feel comfortable relying on them. His 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 defensive ability is extremely powerful. I mean, like oh, that's the one yeah. thing. So if you can build a deck that can consistently get the two white on defense, which would be, I mean, you have to use tough, obviously. But and and I think the big, I think the reason why he kind of gets glossed over is because we didn't know about the two tough armor cards until um, the day of the release. So right. now that you could put that on him, I think he's much more playable. But I have to, I'd have to really sit there and 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 do the math on a, on a deck and how many whites I want to include. Yeah. Um. And while I like probably, I would say four white cards. It's not. I don't like or maybe five. Like I don't know that they're. I don't know that I want to play half my deck as white. So it, I'd have to yeah. really run the numbers. But I think he's. I think he's decent. I think he's underrated, uh, because that 
that combat ability on defense is just super powerful. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's part of the reason Scrapnel is a thing. Yeah. And mm-hmm. this is a potentially better Scrapnel, but I don't know if it's worth the effort. It's something that I want to keep an eye on, but at this stage, I I need you to tell me what the numbers are because I'm not good yeah. enough to figure it out. <laughs> I'll have to run them at some point, yeah. Yeah. So the next guy is Mirage, who has spawned, obviously, a lot of decks. So from what I've seen, the card decks are either your Cliff Jumper or your Mirage. And obviously there are other builds in there, but I think those are the two flashy ones that everybody is drawn to. Hmm. And that I don't, I'm not a fan of either of them, to be honest. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, they Cliff Jumper, I think, also had the hype train of he was one of the first cards we saw yep. ever. So mm-hmm. I think that has stuck in people's minds. I actually like Mirage more for his flip ability, to be perfectly honest. I completely agree. Yeah, It again, it breaks the economy of the game. I I guess pending what the numbers shake out to be, maybe that 36, because I think it was Landon that had mentioned it. If you included every single card that had a white pip, you only get to 36, I think. I wouldn't even... I... You you can't win going that route no matter oh, what anyway. Right. So. I'm not saying that's a good idea, <laughs> yeah. but let's say you did, and you you know just to take the extreme and say, okay, we'll go there and then ratchet it back as appropriate. Yeah, sure. Uh, even then, you're not necessarily guaranteed. <laughs> Hilarious. No, enough. you you need power sword and flamethrower in the deck, so yeah. like to give him bold, so or and um and supercharge. But th- my issue with him is that even if you get um the three white. I mean, yeah, so you're attacking again with, like, a five, like, and you, and now so much of your deck is white that, like, maybe you'll get to, like, six or seven, like, it's going to be really hard. So, that's my only issue with it, is that um, his ability, while while interesting, especially if you're going second, because you're, you're, like, or I guess it's more going first, you're getting that extra turn back, so you're getting, like... You're drawing an extra card. You're getting an extra flip and all that kind of stuff. Like right. that's where I think it's really good. I, I just don't. I think it's going to require a lot of setup for something that's going to happen all that often, even if you build your deck correctly. And then when it does yeah. happen, it's not all that powerful. I I want to see down the line whether there's something that if you equip it to him, keeping him alive by untapping him is the key component. Yeah, because then okay it. Yes, you get the extra attack, but whatever this static ability of this hypothetical card is, then you can get super excited about it. As of right now, the, for me, the nine stars, it's justified, but it's still tough. You were talking about them being eight before with Hound. Nine yeah. here is even more restrictive, and on top of that, you're restricting your battle deck in order to get any value out of his bot mode. The key thing to remember is attacking twice at five does not mean it's ten right. because of the way combat works. So that's mm-hmm. the big thing for me. Yeah, you could whiff and it's going to feel real bad. Yeah. So moving from there, we actually have a the hive. I'll call it the the mm-hmm. bumblebees. So yeah, sure. Uh, I had mentioned this in the other show. I kind of want to build dickhead bumblebee dot deck uh, <laughs> where it's trying to suicide your guys, maybe with scrapnel. Is it scrapnel? Or is it the wrong Insecticon, I, the one that lets you sack your guys? Uh, sure, yeah, Shrapnel lets you do it. Yeah. Okay. I, I, that's, I don't know why they changed his name from the original G1, but yeah. I think it was a, a copyright thing, to be honest with you. Uh, There's a number, because mm-hmm. they had to use Hard Shell for a while instead of Bomb Shell. Oh, okay. Which is weird, but it, I mean, who, I don't know how they copied, somebody copyrighted that, but whatever. <laughs> hmm. 
So I like this Bumblebee a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like it with um, uh, the 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 tyranny card. I forget what it's called. Piece of tyranny, the, the one where you yeah. uh, get rid of a guy, take a turn. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, that that I mean, one's a pretty obvious <laughs> combo yeah. right there. So it gives you use for a card that you usually just use for its two red pi- uh, two orange mm-hmm. pips. So um, there's that. Uh, my only issue is I don't. I don't know how powerful his his alt ability is. I know it seems powerful that you can attack whoever you want. But like mm-hmm. his attack stats are so low that I'm not really sure it matters unless you're specifically trying to pick off a guy. I think so, it may be a meta thing of okay, yeah. if RC is that thing like we were talking about before, and RC's hiding to try and wait for an untapped turn, then okay, I'll get her right now. Sort of. That's thing. a good point. I so, think you basically just need to play like a bunch of direct damage in your deck. And yeah, you're fine. That, that's possible. Do you foresee yourself playing Bumblebee dot deck since the three of them together add up to exactly twenty five stars? No. <laughs> yeah. no, I do want to try it. I want to play it once just for the giggles. I don't think it's going to be that strong. Um, no, yeah, I think he's really powerful with Wheeljack and with um, like the the deck I would have would be Prowl, um, Super Rare Bumblebee, and Wheeljack. That makes sense and it sounds pretty dangerous. Are yeah, you at all? Exactly. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I'm a big fan of wheel. I'm a big fan of Wheeljack, so I like both as a character, a well, yeah, and as a card. So yeah, are you a fan? I actually have these slightly out of order because I grouped the starter cards at the end. But oh, sure, yeah. Do you have any? Are you all that excited about either the common or starter Bumblebee? Um, the one that puts the card on top of the deck, I think that's the one. Like it, it's, it seems like it's overcosted for what it does. Mm-hmm. Um, even though that, that ability is obviously extremely powerful. Um, his stats are fine. Again, you're at this really awkward nine, um, and his health is just low. He's really good and limited, um, because he, he actually can, like, you know, really hit pretty hard for what he does. So I definitely expect to see him there. The fact that he's a specialist might give him, um, some additional play that I hadn't, that I haven't used yet. But I see him instead of like, you know, being like some kind of cornerstone of a card deck, I just see him as a generic good character. Um, so he, if there's some kind of specialist base deck with like two specialists or something like that, I can see where the common one would be decent. Right. Um, in terms of the starter one, it's just that he's only cost six. Yeah. Um, to, to me, his stats are fine for a six cost guy. I think he has four attack, uh, if I remember offhand. Um, I have to look it up, uh, but I know right now. See if I can get sure. squeezed in here because the uh, the character cards are a little bit wide. So hopefully everybody at home can read this. <laughs> I can go to uh, the website real quick. Yeah, so he's a three nine. The starter one three nine two in alt four nine two in bot mode. My own, I, I hate his flip ability. Like give somebody Pierce one is just so bad. Um, but I think tough one on a on a two defense. Six cost leader that's also melee is is totally fine because you can yeah. put the the tough armor on him. Um, I think again, I think for his cost, I think he's totally fine. Right. Um. Again, he just will compete with Prowl, which I just think is just a better card overall. Right. Um. But I think he's again like as a generic stat, I think he's fine for what he does. Yeah. Um. So I would imagine he'd see some play. He just competes like. Competes with Swoop as a generic card, even competes with like Red Alert, and definitely competes with Prowl and like Skywarp for right. first spots. That's the only issue. I think the leader tag is what's really going to push him if something happens, because having the redundancy for Matrix or any future leader things are going to matter. It's not 
an incredibly common tag. So it's something yeah, to keep in mind. Uh, oddly enough, the common one does not have it. So you only have your legendary one at leader and your starter one at leader. So it's something to keep in mind. Yeah. So moving. From, I mean, I know, oh I know people don't want to hear it, but unfortunately, the super rare is the most powerful of three. Yes, the uh, <laughs> they really are. Although I think people may have gotten a little sick of Bumblebee, so maybe they're okay not playing it. Yeah. <laughs> so Chromia is something that you had brought up a few times, and is also another one that is white pip centric. I actually really like her because anytime I can extend my hand, I like it. So seeing the ability to pull stuff back from the scrap pile is important. I don't know how often or whether white pip dot deck, like we've been talking about, will be a thing. And her bot mode scares me a little bit because that's zero defense, but the potential on the alt is incredible. Yeah, so she's really powerful with Sunstorm, is what I what I found. Mm -hmm. Um so white has a lot of your card draw in it. So um she can also get back force field over and over again. So that um, seemed pretty wild. <laughs> and she can survive two hits with force field. So she becomes a three hit with um by putting two force fields on her, which she'll be able to get back from um the scrap pile. Um and obviously the fact that rapid conversion is a white card helps yeah, her as well. Absolutely. So she just had a lot of I think there's a synergistic deck, and I think she's especially good with Sunstorm. Um but as a generic, like, I'm just going to use her in random decks, that's obviously not going to happen. So I just oh, think, so I think, like, I think she'll be the centerpiece, or I would should say the engine of, of that deck, um, if, if, if someone can get it going. Yeah. Notably, um, she I, is a, a specialist as well. So those multi-mission yep. gears or, you know, whatever other things you want to run do come into play here. So. Yeah, I mean, being, yeah, so having the ability to play more than one action a turn. Um, through the multi-mission tool under her, getting her the extra defense. Um, I, I would imagine, well, I, she, see, the problem is she has to attack in, in robot mode. This is the issue with certain cards. Like right. They have a preferred mode to attack in, and it's their like least defensive mode. Of course. Um, and that's that's what holds her back. But, I mean, uh, as long as she has a force field on her, it'll be fine. Yeah, the, the force field recursion, I, I haven't run it with Chromia, but I was running it in tanks. Uh, with hunker down to try and fetch them back, which was kind of makes hard. sense. And yep. it was it, now granted. Again, wife was playing insecticons against it, and kickback <laughs> was flipping like her entire deck every turn. It felt like, but it it, uh, it definitely did keep me alive for a while. Yeah, that, that that's that's the best thing I can see doing with her right now to keep her alive. Um, just because <laughs> that those cards won't have a lot of um armor built in like synergy so I, I the fact that you need a white and the force fields there is where i can see her same play exactly so going from there are actually a couple things that you had already highlighted and that's all the dinobots so we literally have all the dinobots grouped together because it goes dinobot whatever <laughs> into grimlock sure so sure you, if anybody out there is not aware there's already an article over on vector sigma.info that you can if you want to pause this recording right now if you're not watching it live and go check it out because it's a really good read about bold and as we mentioned it's a pretty cool build about dinobots so i really like the list that you had which ultimately was sludge snarl and grimlock although i've heard other people trying to swap in swoop or even slug in some scenarios have you changed your mind at all since that article 
No, I, the only thing I've changed, not from the bot perspective, the only thing I've changed is some of the, the battle cards because more were spoiled uh, since the time of writing that. I was fortunate that I was slowed down by like a day because I originally had like two paragraphs using um, flag or slug, whatever you want to call them, uh, um, before Grimlock was spoiled. So, And then Grimlock got spoiled. I was able to rewrite the article accordingly. But um, right. I'm not... I, I don't think that I just think Snarl's ability is so powerful. He seems like the 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 least powerful of the three. And then like since the printing of uh, or the the release of a uh, I still function yes. and the combo with Sludge is just it's just too powerful to so for those to ignore. who are not aware, just to clarify because this one is super critical for it. The ruling is you can put as much damage onto Sludge as you want. Now, I still function will bring back a KO'd bot into play with one health left. So basically, you can bring Sludge back, heal like 30 damage off of your other two Dino bots, let them croak, and your other two guys are now pristine. Yeah. It feels, I have yet to do it in a game because we were actually, we had built Dino bots a while ago before everything was spoiled. And then now we've been trying other stuff because, you know, just to try everything. And it feels so dirty, and I haven't even done it yet. <laughs> I've seen people do I haven't done it myself. I've seen it. And, like, it, it, it's, a, it's basically, like you said, heal your other two for the use of one card. I mean, all they have to be... I mean, your opponent has to be smart enough to basically, in this, to not attack Sludge until the end. Yes. And that can be difficult, because he can just use his ability. Um, and, obviously, this deck uses all, all your transform. Um, your rapid conversion, your rollout. Um, you, you can just use those cards to um, to make that play over the course of the game, like multiple times. So, like, yeah. you're really stuck in a catch twenty two situation. Like, who's the best target to take out? Like, you know, do you do you take out Grimlock first, which is probably the smartest thing to do because um, mm-hmm. he's the main engine. Even if even if they bring him back with I still function, there's still a limit to really how much damage he can do. You can't just let him. Get a you know get a utility on him get a get a a weapon on him you know build your hand with Dino Chomp and so on and so forth so he should probably be the target but then like Sludge can so like you know I have seen where like the Seeker plane deck um, if built correctly um, has a lot of game against it because of the amount of uh, direct damage that they run right um, so like if they leave Sludge really low and you're hoping to get another attack you just pick them right off right. Uh, with stuff. But uh, yeah, so I think I think Dinobots are the default aggro deck that everyone build, and I think I I'm I still know that the best deck's not out. The best version, obviously, isn't out there yet. Right. Um, I'd have to update the one I have on the website with uh, some of the new cards to try out because it is very bold based. Um, you can read the article. The natural way to go with it. Yeah, you can read the article, but like you know, the math still favors throw power sword, for example. Mm -hmm. Um. Uh, there's there's subtleties like that, and then there's the power. I still function. I do think Swoop is a decent card. I just don't think this is the right build for him. Um, uh, but I do like his his flip ability. Um, and I'm just personally not a fan of like cards that don't have transform ability. So like that's why um, like Slug wouldn't make the cut for me. Right. Uh, but I do like his stats a lot. Um, his stats, you know, are incredible. In, yeah, in some multi attacking deck with like. Um, uh, the the untapped card for ten or less. I forget what it's called. But, uh, ready uh, for action. 
yeah, de- generic ready for action decks, I think he's fine. Yeah. Because um, his stats are just so good. Oh, yeah. They, I found out the hard way, like I said, before everything was spoiled. We were playing a couple games with him because we were able to get him at Gen Con. And the six oh, attack yeah. base is surprisingly high and gets through a lot of things. It doesn't sound impressive, but it actually is higher than you might think. Oh, it's huge, yeah. yeah. I mean, again, if you build your deck right, it's going to be an average of, like, probably... If you build your deck right with, like, oranges and... That's going to be close to... It's going to be over eight right. on an average attack, and that's just huge. Absolutely. So, I mean, that that, that can kill guys in one shot just with, with equipment. Okay. The fact that he has such huge um, hit points uh, makes him a good target for the Ironhide Blaster as well. So. Yes. So, uh, before we move on from our prehistoric friends, any other thoughts on the Dinobots? <laughs> No, they're really good. They're the, they're the default aggro deck, I, I believe, in the Do format. Do you like them over cars? Oh, 100%. Yeah, they, not even close. That's what I've, I've honestly... Well, well, we'll get into it further later, but uh, cars I've been underwhelmed by. Maybe it's because everybody was losing their minds about them, but... I, I mean, Grimlock can kill two cars in one swipe, so... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So moving on from them, we have Inferno. So... A lot of people were disappointed with him uh, because of the fact that, well, there's a battle card that does his flip, uh, and that it also, yes, you're you're gaining some tempo because it chews up their actions, but it's going to necessitate letting them build it up. Uh, I really see the biggest potential here in bouncing your own stuff outside of, you know, the oddball shockwave decks. Um. His stats are a little low, in my opinion, for his cost. Uh, I mean, I know... Mm. I mean, obviously, 8 attack is massive. Right. Um, and 3 defense is really good. I just think his hit point is too low for his cost. Mm. Um, and that's the mode you're going to want to be attacking in. So, unless... Uh, I don't know. I would find a way to pay one more versus him. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of him right now, given... Even though we, and this is going back to the frequently asked questions that are showing up over on the official Facebook group, uh, it was determined that swap parts and other things that move ability, or excuse me, move upgrades will trigger their enters play abilities. Okay. So you could swap parts, armed hovercraft, for example, onto something, get an extra ping their team for one. So Hmm. if that sort of thing exists, you know, enough of those... Maybe you could build I bounce my own stuff dot deck combined with Inferno and then moving things around so that that way you can get multiple triggers out of all these things. Yeah, it's not a bad. That's not a bad idea there. <clears throat> Excuse me, sorry about that. Uh, I don't know if that's a thing because as far as I know, it's basically armed hovercraft and then I guess multi mission gear. But he's not a specialist, so it, there aren't many enters play upgrades currently. No, but it's good to know for the future. Exactly. So uh, moving on from him, we have Jetfire, who... This guy I like because of his flips, since you were talking about how awesome the flips are, or how important they are. Getting stuff back, and again, getting a free play, essentially. Yep. A free action is important. At 10 stars, I mean, he has a 6 attack because of the bold. Um, but I, I'm not sure about him. So I wrote about him in my second article. Okay. Uh, on Vector Sigma. So, um, so the Slipstream deck, I feel like he's better than using, um, like Thundercracker or, or especially using, uh, uh, Starscream in that deck. 
So because, and the main thing here is, and this is something that I think people need, really need to understand is uh, he wants to attack in alt mode. Slipstream wants you to attack in alt mode. Right. So it's a perfect synergy. Like he actually, most most uh, transformers want their their flip is in their action flip is is into alt mode. Right. So because his is into bot mode, um, he can flip the bot mode, use a card, an action card to flip back into um, alt mode. You know, if he has damage on him, take it off with slipstream, which you know somebody like um, Skywarp can put damage on him. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, there's just a lot of synergies that go on there. You can actually have it where, like, you know, you attack with Skywarp first. He flips a white, puts damage on Jetfire. Okay, it's my turn. Jetfire equips Energon Axe, flips, gets it, gets an armor utility from the yard. As my action, I'm also going to transform him back. Oh, he has damage on him. Slipstream in play. I move a damage on. Him. So now you have an eight base attack, bold one moving a damage onto the guy on turn two. So, like, that's just, like, a lot going... With an armor or, or like... So, like, or, an, or utilities. Something like data pad on him to make sure that you're getting, like, some kind of... Something on the top. So, like, there's a lot of synergy that goes on with him because he wants to attack in uh, in plane mode with Slipstream. I think that's a good call-out, that there really aren't that many cards that flip into bot mode and do something. You're right. It, it's generally the other way around. And I think this is... I haven't built too many mixed faction teams, to be perfectly honest, because I'm still Mm -hmm. working through everything. But anybody out there listening, definitely check out that article, because I know I didn't get a chance to read it before we started recording. So I got to check that out afterwards. (laughs) Yeah, I had him in my release event and played him. And and I, I... Getting that free action, he was almost always... Like, when I was going first... If I'm sorry, when I went second... So, like, if I defended first... And I flipped uh, an armor or utility into the into the scrap pile. Oh. My immediate play back on my turn was to flip him and then play something else. So I was like two actions up on my opponent because they don't get to play a card on turn one. Right. So it was even though I couldn't trans often couldn't transform into the appropriate mode because it was um, you know sealed deck and not constructed. It was right. a huge tempo shift. Oh, yeah. To get all those cards out there. I think this this guy's going to have potential going forward. And he may be a sleeper. I've seen him show up in a few lists so far. I think a lot of people want to build that classic Seekers team. And just for nostalgia factor, run Starscream, Thundercrack, or Skywarp. But yeah, I, I agree. I While I think there might be something there, maybe this is a little bit better. I do want to try him out myself. I haven't had that chance to actually run him yet. Yeah, take take a look at the take a look at the article and uh, check out the list. Let me know what you think. Cool. So uh, the next one that we have up is I am Optimus Prime. So <laughs> this is the rare one, and obviously, just like Bumblebee, we have a number of them. Obviously, the rare one is the most exciting. He just seems ridiculous all over. So we asked when we were going over Bumblebee, do you see yourself playing an all Optimus team? No. <laughs> Even with his blaster? Uh, I'll run three blasters just with a rare one. Ah, really? I mean, he has, so a, he has he's sturdy enough that he's probably going to live to see one. There's so much um, uh, upgrade removal now in the game mm-hmm. uh, that I, I, would, I don't have any problem running uh, like three of a, like a quote unique weapon like that um, right. when, it, when it's that important to the strategy. And that makes sense. Do you see, or, or I guess we'll leave it more open-ended, how do you see Battlefield Legend being constructed? 
um, based around uh, like a defensive based action deck where you use his flip ability as uh, with things like leap into battle um, where uh, you or direct damage like plasma burst things like that where there are cards that like you would normally want to flip when you're attacking because they don't add anything. But the fact that he has an eight base attack, you can okay. Um, you can and because you right, and you because you because you you flip first. Like it's the only card that really calls this. Way a lot of people don't play this way, but like you, know, you everyone just flips over their cards all at once. Mm-hmm. But because you're attacking, you get to see how much damage you're going to do to them. Obviously, before they flip defense, but like you should know pretty much like almost how much damage you're going to do. Uh, so if you do flip a plasma burst, you can choose a different target if, if appropriate. You can, you know... Right. And I'm not one of these magical Christmas land people that are like, I'm going to flip Brainstorm and play all these other actions for my hand, all this kind of stuff. You don't have to go nuts like that. I, mean, uh, I do think Brainstorm would be in the deck because it's going to be a heavily slanted oh, of course. action deck. Of but, course. but like, you don't have to go nuts like that. Um, yeah. But I think that you, you want to build it in a way where... Uh, it, your his flip and his battle his his attacking is an extension of your hand so uh, supercharge certainly goes in the deck um only because there's i think i'm pretty positive that's the only way you can gain bold outside of um outside of a of a weapon and his weapon is just too good not to play like as much as i want to play power sword in a deck like that to basically mm-hmm. quote draw more cards or play flamethrower his weapon is just too good um, to not play with the plus one defense. It's, right. it's just too good. So, And something to keep in mind that uh, was also mentioned in the FAQ, the, in the case of Plasma Burst, it won't matter, but any card that you play still counts towards your combat pool. Yep. So it doesn't actually get removed. You flip over an orange pip, you still get to play the card and get the attack. Which, yeah, that was massive for yeah. for the for that for that deck. I could have honestly seen it without that, and probably it still would have been fine, just because you're gaining the additional action as we discussed before. But the fact that you also get that pushes it that much further. Yeah, the game was actually built intelligently so that um, there isn't like a lot of your attacking cards will have a blue pip. So I didn't right. think the way I was originally going to build it was going to matter, um, but. Uh, it, it can help. And he's actually unique in the game. So I don't know if you know this, but he's actually the only bot that he's the only transformer that could actually affect your defensive pull. So if you flip over incoming transmission mm-hmm. as part of his ability, you can put like a double blue on top so that uh, he has double blue ready about. for defense. Yes. There are and some, he, I think you're right. He's the only bot. There are some, uh, what is it? Aerial recon that lets you look at it when you're defending. Yeah, but it's this is like guaranteed. You oh, know yeah. what's going to be on top, yeah. right? Right. Yeah, it's so that's what I like. Yeah, among all the other reasons, as if there weren't enough. <laughs> yeah, this guy yeah. quite clearly is going to, and I appreciate that they put him at rare and not super rare, because yeah, it's true. Mm-hmm. It is hard. I've found, at least in my case, that the pack distribution is very strange. We'll call it that. Uh, yeah, I got one rare in a box. Yeah, one of the it's, four uh, boxes, and right? I've had where it was literally identical packs back to back multiple times. Yep. And it's, I don't know if it's because they have these weird dual print run things running where they have a print run for bots and then a print run for action cards, but something wacky's going on. And it's good that it's not super rare because otherwise there'd be a lot of unhappy people. Yeah. I, I think he's 
I, as weird as it sounds, I think he's flying under the radar compared to other options. He's what? Say that again. I'm sorry. Like flying under the radar compared yeah. to other well, options. I think a lot of people again are are loading up on the tribal themes, but yeah. you know, how do you feel about the other optimi, the uh, common and the starter? <laughs> um, the common one's good and limited, but his stats aren't good enough to see playing constructed, even though he has a giant hit point total. He'd be another like one shall stand, one shall fall kind of card, but I just don't think he's um, his stats are good enough, considering that's pretty much all he is. Healing one from all your Autobots just isn't good enough um, at, that, at that star cost, so I think he's a limited only card. I like the common one or the starter one um, because he's able to fill in a lot of teams at seven cost, Yeah, and he has a, and he has a card draw ability, and his stats are fine. Like, two defense is fine in both modes. Right. And, um, you know, three is not three is obviously not great at seven, but three bold one, if you add other bold effects to him, can have a cascading effect. Right. So he he is usually the second um, seven star that I use as the default decks after I after barrage. Okay. So if if I'm using other uh, transformers that. Uh, he he's like if I if it's a transforming deck like that like wants to transform because I don't think Barrage is into alt mode abilities that good I, I would use uh, Prime as my seven as my usually as my default seven if I'm looking for a seven so I actually like the common one a lot too makes sense so before we move on last question for this guy for the common one do you foresee any chance that there is a his heal ability would be relevant enough for Cosmos. Since I think I you just run. rather run RC. I agree. For that, but for that you, you can you get a lot more options that way. Yeah, yeah. A heal card. Mm-hmm. Yep. So here's the guy that you were talking a lot about earlier, Prowl. He's somebody that I'm really excited about and has been putting in work for me. It sounds like he's doing the same for you. Yeah, he's super undercosted in my opinion. I mean, even if he was the only car out there, flipping into flipping into Karma would give you three bold two. Um as an attacker with, with nine hit points and two defense, that's above the curve for a six cost guy. Um, so like even as your generic, like good guy deck, like he, as it's just, he's like, it's, it's like swoop in a way, like swoop with his transformability just puts a damage on a guy. Uh Um, and, but like, I mean, he, he has one less, if you're comparing like the typical mode you're going to attack in, less attack but bold two compared to like red alert, for example, one less hit point but then have a static two. Like, I just think he's he's like dramatically undercosted, and I think for the card deck, I think I think the card deck has to play um, all out attack, and his ability gives it to everybody all at once. So like, yeah. I, I think you, ha- I think you have to have this giant turn where you're like, you know, flip him in at least at the minimum. I'm not, again, I'm not, you can brainstorm it also like brainstorm magical Christmas land and the start your engines into all that kind of stuff. Um, right. But like you, I think you can, I think he makes all out attack decks for cars uh, possible, and I think makes that deck uh, decent. But I just think as the third bot for six, hmm. uh, he's very good. Oh, absolutely. And I think you're you're right, because that's been my experience, that cars really want to set up a wombo turn and then blow you out kind yeah. of thing. 
Uh, they don't seem to be able to play the long game in the, I'm going to stand up and just trade hits. They're not quite as quick as other decks, but they can blow you out out of nowhere. So I think that's part of the reason why Prowl is required for it. Uh, yeah, even if you just wait until, because, you know, their ability is to naturally untap with the other various cards. If you just wait until you're at that point, you're the last person to go because your opponent had to use all their guys one at a time. Mm-hmm. It's the same equivalent as using an all-out attack. So, like, right. I know that card's hard to get, obviously. So, yeah. But you can even just do it as, like, your, quote, I don't know, fifth attack in the turn because of the way that, that cards work. So, like, right. there will just naturally be that that time where you're like, okay, I can't, I can only play one, I can only play one upgrade, one action, and, and one flip before I have to attack with all my guys the way that it works. So, like, you just wait for that, and then, you know, you should be able to, like, you probably will have multiple untapped guys. So, actually, that won't work. My bad. That, it only works all out. Never mind. That doesn't actually work, because you're not actually attacking all at once, so. Well, the, the principle it kind of, I follow what you were getting. Yeah, yeah, though, yeah. I know, it's in, I, I don't know how, actually, I don't know how that works, to be honest with you. I don't, I think, I don't know if you are attacking all in the same turn. I think you are attacking in the same turn with all your untapped guys. I think that does work. When you're the last person to attack, yeah. So I you, think it so works. You're, the scenario you're describing, because I I started to get a little confused towards the end. You're, Sorry. No, Sorry. It's, <laughs> it's um, they're tapped out, but you either through turbo boosters or whatever manage to keep the yeah. team on tap. Yeah, you'll end up smashing. <coughs> excuse me, smashing them basically however you see fit until you tap out. So you'll get. So all your guys will get the bolt too. So that's good. Exactly. Yeah. Those are yep. the wombo turns that you want to set up with this. Yeah, he he's the he's the centerpiece then of that for sure. Right. So going yeah. from there, we have uh, well, kind of an unexciting guy. Before we get into the one you <laughs> had said you were super excited about, so cup. Um, I, I don't know. I wish trucks were a thing, but too many of them have blank text boxes. Like yeah. literally blank both sides. So three is defense is good. Three defense is good. He yep. probably should have cost six and seven. Yeah, I agree. So there's not a whole lot to say about him. Uh, but we do probably have a lot to say about Wheeljack, who I was excited is playable, uh, as opposed to, I mean, they could have done a bunch of really weird things with the character. But his alt mode ability seems crazy and obviously synergizes right into his bot mode. And then cars want, apparently their sub-theme is drawing cards. Between Cliff Jumper yeah. and him, they're cycling their whole deck. Yeah, so he's super powerful. Um his base stats are not the best for an, for a nine cost, but yeah. um, any card cycling ability is going to be uh, super powerful. I just assume he has bolt two at all times because I mean he's gonna, you're going to build your deck in a way where that's always going to happen. Exactly. So, um, and then you know attacking in bot mode is a five bolt two for nine. Oh, it's even bolt three. Oh, bolt three. My bad. Yeah. yeah. No, so, that's he's even stronger in that case. Yeah. Yeah, so that's super powerful. So, have, um, have you found like, that the nine stars is enough to push you away from him because he does make it very complicated? Because I was trying to run, for example, Cliff Jumper, Wheeljack, Prowl, and it fits, but I don't know how much I like it. Um, I think Wheeljack, uh, Prowl, uh, uh, Super Rare Bumblebee is the way to go. I think you may be right. And then that way you have. You don't want your guys to die, quote unquote, but if they do, Bumblebee just gets bigger. So, like, there's right. no downside to your guys dying. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you will obviously still play all the car based cards because they're all cars and they're, 
they're the beefier ones. So um, I don't. I, I think that would be pretty powerful. Um, the only thing that's missing, only one of them has a transform ability, but that's okay because you know you can do. Wheeljack will allow you to have really cool turns where like maybe you play an action early to transform, or you transform early and then play an action later. But in the middle of it, you're 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 like drawing a card and discarding a card, so you're setting up your turn a little bit better. So I think he's he's going to be a, a difficult card to play correctly, uh, and will I think will help like the better players make better decisions. Um, but his stats are like I mean, you know five bold three is just like really really powerful for nine. I mean that's you're talking about combat damage that's usually reserved for us like twelve. So right. it's really powerful if you build your deck right. Yeah, I agree with you. I was leaning towards Cliff Jumper because I wanted to see if having two card draw effects across the cards would help. I after playing it a few times, I feel like Cliff Jumper really wants to wait until you can go four wide cars with him. Yeah, I agree. I'm not sure if he's there yet, which ultimately for me, I think is good for the game because I'm not a fan that these promo cards in a lot of cases are shaping up to be super strong. Uh, maybe not mandatory, but they're showing up in a lot of places. Yeah, I think tandem targeted laser is the most overrated card in the game. So, well, I'm targeted. hoping that they get a reprint so at least people will have access to them because the, agreed the prices on some of these things are becoming wild. Although I think people are recognizing it. For example, Nemesis. Not that it's a promo, but Nemesis was. I think somebody said 150 dollars in the middle of our <laughs> release event. By the end of the release event, he was down to 90. And hopefully he's going to keep dropping down so people can actually get him. But we'll see how it shakes out. Yeah, you just got to remember that high prices are good for the game. Because it yes. means it's selling out. So. To an extent, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. like anything mm-hmm. else in moderation. Yeah. Including moderation. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> yeah, so uh, moving from there, uh, speaking of Cliff Jumper, you had mentioned that you're not a huge fan of him, at least currently, right? Yeah, the, the thing I like best about him is that... He- his alt ability is there not... there for a second. Could you repeat that? <laughs> um, sorry. What, I think what I like best about him is that his alt ability is not a transform ability. Yes. So he just sits there, and your other guys transform, and you draw the card. So it's like, he doesn't have to actively be doing anything to have an effect on the board, and I think he's probably... he Like, him and... Um, what's her name? Flame War might be the only... Like, a couple of the only ones I can think of off the top of my head that have and I guess Slipstream have this like static type thing that just happens with them not actively doing anything. Makes sense. Uh, so that's what I like about him. Um, I just think that his his five twelve two is fine. It's just not like it's not above the curve. In my yeah, opinion. it doesn't blow you away. I mean, it is. Yeah, naturally the bot is. It assumes that you're going there when you've already lost somebody. So the base is six or seven and eventually eight, I guess, if you have a four wide team. Maybe when that Metroplex set releases and we get some mini cons or something and you can have nine of them out there with Cliff Jumper, it'll be a little more dangerous. But I found that I actually like him, as you were saying, in his alt mode much more just because it helps set up all these wild things. Yeah, I think, again, like, I think it's more just that this eight cost is just awkward. Like, I mean, if certain was, guys just cost that, so. Yeah, if he was one less, I'd feel a lot better. Two less, I'd feel fantastic. I mean, obviously, yeah. a number of things would have to change, including the numbers. But 
he forces you into a three wide right now, including himself, and it doesn't feel like you're getting enough for what you're paying at the moment. Yeah, I agree. Which is again, like you said, is good because it's a he's hard to get. So right. So uh, we already talked about the starter Bumblebee. Presumably, there's not much to say about the starter Ironhide because again, blank text boxes. Uh, other than the fact that his laser is insane. So yes. Do you see that being enough to play Ironhide, or do you think the laser is just going to see play because of the laser? Uh, the laser is just going to see play. I have it. That's the cornerstone card of that slipstream deck that I right. I posted in my second article. Yeah, because the interaction there. Oh yeah, it definitely seems the the static three is crazy. Like it just. <laughs> it, I mean, his stats in alt mode are really, really insane. So mm-hmm. I mean, like I can actually like of all the generic no text guys, I think he's like three defense is massive for yes. six costs. So like I mean, I know, Demol- I know Demolisher, I guess in robot mode has a four but like that's really powerful so like i can see where he might uh fill out uh teams just because like again generic teams that are going to run his blaster anyway because that's just some massive stats for for a six cost yeah he i was hoping and i get it he's a starter card but they it feels weird that he got his own weapon so Bumblebee got a card, Optimus got a card, Megatron got a card, Starscream got a card. They all have multiple versions. I think mm-hmm. Ironhide's the only one that didn't get a second version, at least. Yeah. Which leads me to believe that like there's probably another version in the second set of some I'm sort. Sure. Yeah, he's yeah. he's too iconic to not do it. And well, <laughs> unfortunately, I can't I even with the better stats, I have a hard time seeing it him showing up, but maybe because he's so cheap cost wise. Yeah. So then we have the other Optimus, and then the last guy is Red Alert, the other starter card. So I like him as the glass cannon effect. I don't know if I like him enough to, because he's competing with Prowl, really. Yeah, that's the comparison. But the the thing about him is, so it comes down to how many attacks can you, and in limited, he can survive multiple attacks, no problem, mm-hmm. usually. Um. In constructed, I'm not even sure he can survive an attack with his defense against certain um, against certain decks. And you know, maybe it's the type of situation where you're like, okay, I'm to probably put like you know, let's just say like with flip effects and aggro deck, we'll just call it like you know, like six or seven damage on a guy. But um, that's the type of thing that I that's the type of math I haven't run yet. Am I willing to? How many, like, what's the star cost where I'm just willing to lose a guy that's just going to do damage once and then die? Because that's essentially probably what he's going to do. Like, yeah. Um, and I'm not positive that uh, that's possible. But if it is, like, if it's worth it in the end, his stats seem like it's fine because, again, he's he's going to want to attack in his, his uh, bot mode most of the time, and it's going to be five attack for six, which is one of the better ratios, obviously, in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so if if that's fine, you'll be okay. I also think, again, he's a great target for things like one shall stand, one shall fall, which seems odd, but he's going to die anyway. Right. I don't care. If, so like, that's a good point. I, that's going to be things I think people don't aren't, aren't going to think about. Like, you have to, you always, and, and I'm not at this point yet, obviously. It's kind of like when you're playing, like, Texas Hold'em. Like, you have to know your outs, and you have to know what your opponent could have, and things like that. So I think in this game, you have to know how much damage your opponent can potentially do to your guys when you choose who you're attacking against 
because and when you're attacking because you're going to leave your guys vulnerable to attack. So like if your guys if they have a guy that's going to be able to do 10 damage relatively easily, they're going to be able to do 7 damage relatively easily. So you might as well just use a card that's like I know it seems counterintuitive that's like helping them get there, but if they were going to kill you anyway, who cares? Yeah, if you no, lose that's... by one or you lose by a yeah. hundred for this guy, it doesn't matter. Right. I mean, the only negative to that would be something like Grimlock, but um, right. I still think like it's really hard like to get like there are certain numbers in this game that are that are obvious that you know it, they're willing to let you do a plasma burst with no downside, so two damage is fine. But once you start getting above that, like with three, there seems to be a, a big downside. Like that's where you're. You know, like, uh, Ironhide's Blaster does damage to you, and Energon Axe requires you to have damage on you. And um, Even on the other right. side, the healing cards typically, yeah. you know, you get Medic for two, but then you have to jump through hoops to get Emergency Maintenance. Yep. Oh, yeah. I don't even know. That card is just odd to me. But, you know, that's where that's but that's but where the pip comes in. That that card exactly. has a pip. And the, so, like, that's what I like about the game, is play like that. Like, it seems... In isolation, like it's way worse. But then, like you're like, well, but it has a pip, and you're probably going to be flipping. I don't know, four times as many times as you're actually going to be able to play the card right. over the course of oh, oh, like multiple rounds of, of playing the game. So exactly, you know. But yeah, with Red Alert, I mean, I think that's there's some interesting play there as well as like obviously force field. Um, so there's always that. So I think he's fine. Um, just and he, I think he has to be in the four wide. I think he's probably better than. Um, I guess, yeah, he probably has to be in the four wide. Like, it's like three sixes and a seven of some sort. Um, so, that like, seems logical. Yeah, so I would think, like, if I had to choose, he's probably better than, like, the starter Bumblebee, but I think you have to play all three anyway. So, it, it doesn't, oh, well, I guess you could play Jazz instead. So, right. you could play four sixes or you could play three sixes. I would, I think he's going to see play in four wide cars, if that's a thing, because he's just, yeah, there is no seven car. So I think it would have to be four sixes. So like you would just play all four sixes and then there he is. So right. I think that, that, I think that's fine. Like if that deck exists with like, um, you know, the all in type cards and the complete on tapping, I think he's, I think he's fine. So I think he will see play. Mm. Um, if that deck's, um, at all popular. And I, every, every theme deck like that to me, would like show up in some percentage at any event. So I think exactly. I think that's really I think that's a good point in general. That and it's probably since we're coming close to the end. I think that's a, a good thing to close on since we've covered all the Autobots at this point. That you're going to see a lot of this stuff, especially early on, because given the IP and the nature of the game and the number of people that are coming in that aren't card gamers first, they're Transformers fans first. They're going to pick, you know, maybe they grew up and they loved Red Alert. So they're going to find a way to play Red Alert no matter what. And if you assume that they're going to do their homework, maybe they come to the conclusion, okay, that four wide is the best way to play him. And they're going to run it regardless. So you may end up seeing a lot of these weird theme decks show up a lot at local events or larger events just by virtue of, well, that's what people want to play. Yeah, and I've I've also noticed in... Now, I will say this is not true in my time playing competitive Magic, but in every other game I play, I've played competitively, whatever the, let's just say the people in the know think the best deck is, 
still has never shown up to a tournament with more than like 20% of the field. And I'm talking like large field, like 200 person tournaments. Mm. So you may by default think it's quote unquote the best deck. Still only 20% of the room is running. So you're going to run into like any of these, like I'm not going to put things into tiers, but any of these like other tier decks that we have talked about that are, are, are fringe and haven't been, you know, we really haven't considered yet. They're going to show up because that's just the way the nature of the game is just like, these are either the cards I own. These are the cards I like. This is what I've been successful with. And it's like a lot of people just haven't, you know, don't have the time or the effort to be able to, to, to play test and build everything under the sun. And this is, you know, certain, and, and certain players are just better with certain type of decks. So like exactly. if you're, if, if you, if you don't like, and I mean, this will happen in this game. If like, if it's, if it's difficult for you as a player to like, you know, I, oh, I don't feel like making the hard decision every single time I'm going to I'm just going to untap all my guys and I get that. <laughs> right. And they're all, you know, like that's going to that you know, taking shortcuts like that, if you know you're that type of player is going to, it's, it's going to up your game. If you don't have to waste mental energy worrying about, Oh, I got to make sure I attack with the right guy in the right order so that, I, you know, they're not open to defense. Like if you can just play a deck that just like makes those decisions for you, like I get to ready for action. I get to turbo boost. Um, start your engines. It's like, well, you probably don't have to worry about the absolute correct order to attack with all your guys in because you're always going to have your opponent. Like that's a mental like shortcut that you're able to take. So exactly, and you know, it's, it's not something for people out there listening that it's a knock against any given play style because there is an advantage to doing that. You're putting pressure on your opponent and forcing them to make mistakes because if you have somebody coming for your throat the whole time, it's kind of hard to make the appropriate decision. <laughs> yeah. I, I just noticed through playing competitive Star Wars Destiny that if you if there's a certain deck archetype that you're better with, that you can make the mental shortcuts easier instead of just you know being one of these players like I can pick up any deck and play it like that's fine. It means you're probably really well rounded. But like there's in games like this that are it's very important who you attack with, when you attack with, the sequence of of actions and things like that. Anytime you can take some kind of, kind of mental shortcut it's going to be to your advantage. Absolutely. So I think that's a good thought to close up with. As we started the show, we're going to try and do this on a regular basis. But before we sign off, obviously, Scott, you're running VectorSigma.info. We have some of your contact info, specifically your Twitter on the overlay. So that's at VectorSigmaI on Twitter. Yeah, I don't know why the I is there. Twitter did something. I don't know what it did, but yes. (laughs) I assumed it was there intentionally for the info. Yeah, I guess it was, but, but I don't know what Twitter did. I, there's also the Facebook. I have my own Facebook uh, at VectorSigma.info. Um, you can also, um, on Discord, I'm AU Star Wars as the icon shows. Um, you can just, my real name is Scott Landis. You can contact me uh, on Facebook. You can contact me through uh, Vector Sigma through the contact thing. It goes straight to an email that, it's not my like you know main email. It's still the Vector Sigma info email, but... Um, I've had, I've been having some good conversations with people on there, um, directly who've just asked me for some advice. So if I'm not covering a certain strategy or you want me to explain, a lot of people are like, can you go into the math a little bit easier? Um, and I try to like break things down by an analogy or something like that. Like you can feel free to hit me up on there as well. Awesome. So do you have a regular schedule for the site that you're trying to keep to, or is it kind of as it strikes you? Um, it depends on how busy my work schedule is as to how much I'm able to, you know, how much I'm able to write. Um, I've been trying to get articles up there weekly, um, but 
as we expand and if the game if the game has more like regular event coverage and things like that if that if that gets out of hand like i might be starting to ask other uh community members to help write as well and that would t- i would still like obviously run the site but it would give more content to the site on a regular basis if it wasn't just me writing so if you are looking to write um or produce other content you know feel free to, to hit me up for that as well um we're always looking for uh people for that and then you know hopefully as the game grows we'll be able to grow with it so awesome well everybody like we said definitely check out vectorsigma.info definitely follow them on twitter you can follow us in the contacts down at the bottom of the stream they will be in all the show notes for this as well definitely see if you can well Make every effort to subscribe to us, follow us, all that fun stuff, because it definitely lets us know what you guys want to see, what you want to hear about, and what we want to do in the future. We're going to try and make this a regular thing, because this game is fun to talk about and fun to play. So, Scott, thanks for joining me, and tune in next time, everybody, for more Random's Thoughts.